Acts, the 12th chapter, and uh, I'm going to read several verses here tonight. It is our custom to stand and read the word. If you have a hard time standing, we certainly understand that tonight. Acts chapter 12, verse number 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. I'm thankful we're a part of a church that's never had persecution, aren't you? I'm glad when you get the Holy Ghost, trouble just goes away and it's a life of roses, aren't you? And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. These were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison. And delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now notice this. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Unto God for him. Pastor why do you feel so passionate. About 24 hour prayer. But prayer was made without ceasing. Of the church. Unto God. For him. And when Herod would have brought him forth. The same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was surrounded. Bound with. Two chains. Somebody say two chains. Each soldier had his own set of chains. And the keeper before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. And a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side. And raised him up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. But thought that he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward... They came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them. How? He opened it himself. And they went out and passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. And with the departure of the angel leaving him standing there in the street, there was a message that came from heaven. It was an unspoken message, but Peter got the drift. And it's what I want to preach to you for just a few moments tonight. You're not a prisoner anymore. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's give him praise right now. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and you may be seated in the lovely name of Jesus. It is so good to feel what I feel tonight. I love feeling the presence of the Lord. This scripture is a powerful picture to us of what happens when the church prays. Now I know that uh, some way, somehow, and I'm not 100% sure how we move away from this, but I am certain that in the 21st century, there are a lot of churches that have tried to replace the power of prayer with principles and with parties and uh, getting together with programs. But I just want to tell you tonight, and I know you know this FPC, but I just want to tell you tonight, there is absolutely no substitute for old-fashioned praying. That's as good as it's going to get right there. I said there's no substitute. And it's difficult. Because praying is kind of like, you've heard me say so many times, people say, I danced in the spirit, but when you dance in the spirit, your calves are sore the next morning. Because while you may have danced in the spirit, it took your flesh to make it happen. And everybody wants the power that comes with prayer, but prayer will cost you something. You may be praying in the Spirit, but when you get through praying in the Spirit, you're going to be hoarse because it takes an effect on your body. I remember the story happening several years ago of a young man that moved into this city from out of town. It was not a church in this town, so please understand that I'm not shooting at anybody from here. But this young man came from out of town. It was in Indiana, but it wasn't here. As a matter of fact, the church is closed now. I'll just preface it with that. And he came to me and had a meeting. He said, I'm moving here. I'm going to come to church here. I said, well, you're welcome here. And uh, I said, but why, why are you moving? And he said, I, I had to get myself out. He said, because I'll give you a, a story. And I said, well, shoot it to me. He said, the other Sunday we were having church. And he said, the Holy Ghost started moving. I started feeling it. And he said, Got kind of loud in my worship a little bit, and he said, raise my hands, began to speak with other tongues. And he said, after church, the pastor pulled me in the office and said, don't ever do that again. And he said, I don't understand what I do. He said, I don't want you speaking in tongues like that in church anymore. He said, I don't understand why you don't want me speaking in tongues in church. He said, because you may confuse some of our guests. But I'm going to tell you something tonight, church. I wouldn't want to be a guest at a church that didn't have power and authority when they prayed. I'm glad to be a part of a church that on Sunday night, at any given time, somebody can get to feeling the Holy Ghost and stand up on their feet and clap their hands and lift their voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm not ashamed of him tonight. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to be a part of this great kingdom of God. And I want to tell you that 
Somehow, something's got to grip a hold of us in this hour to understand the power of prayer. I have this conversation frequently with those around me and I've had this conversation with many in this church through the years. And I don't say this to be negative, so don't take me wrong. But there has been an evolution in apostolic prayer as generations go along. I have watched us move from powerful, powerful, earth-shaking prayer meetings. Now, I'm fully aware that at Azusa in Los Angeles... Not a single soul was baptized in Jesus' name, but it wasn't because God didn't give them a chance. And the power of the Holy Ghost moved in Los Angeles because somebody started praying. Every powerful revival that has ever been recorded, now this is going to upset somebody somewhere, I'm sure, that's watching online. But every powerful revival in history that's ever been recorded did not start with preaching and singing. I know we like being entertained. I know we like choir singing. and I know we like worship teams. And I know we like music. I thank God for it. And I thank the Lord that we've got it. I love to preach. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. I love to preach. But I'm telling you right now that preaching is a whole lot easier when you've got a powerful group of praying people preparing the way for the good seed of the word of God. I was talking to someone the other day, and again, this is going to sound critical if you don't know my heart, but you just have to know me. This church has a cafe, and I'm thankful for it. And if you're a first-time guest here, all of our guests receive a free drink at the cafe. And Sister Sarah does an amazing job managing the cafe. But I want to tell you something, folks. Listen to Pastor when I tell you. It's all right to have social things in your church and fellowship and Coming together, it's Acts 2 and 42, it's part of the plan. It's breaking bread and fellowship, it's all good. But that would have never transpired if there wouldn't have been a powerful praying church. And the problem is that we remove our prayer rooms and replace them with coffee houses and then wonder why wheelchairs stay full. Again, I know what I risk. I know what I risk. I told somebody the other day, I think it was Brother, Brother Jordan and Sister Kate. I'm pretty sure it was. I said, but I, I get frustrated. And I, I'm ducking behind the pulpit right now because I don't, I don't want this to come across wrong. I said, but it amazes me how we insert substitutions for power. And I, I'm not throwing off on anybody. Understand that. But I said, isn't it amazing that in the 21st century, it's easier for us, instead of believing that God can still hear, heal a deaf person that can't hear, we'll send our young people to learn interpretive signing. And we'll interpret sign for the preacher to the deaf man. Now, I thank God it's another ministry. It's something else we need. But I don't believe that it ought to be for permanence. My making. Boy, I knew this was going to get tight right here for just a minute. I'm going to preach good in just a minute. Just stay with me. I'm saying to you 
When you've got a man in prison, they never plan. Now, I, I please, again, dear God, I don't have to preface everything I say. Don't run off. We need prison ministry. We just made sister made the announcement that we need prison ministry. But understand me when I tell you, Peter wasn't in prison for doing bad stuff. He was in prison for preaching. So it was a whole different deal. But the church did not start planning their prison visit to Peter because he went in. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The church had no other response than powerful prayer. And I believe that's why we've seen such a drop off in the modern church. And I hope y'all got your seatbelts on. I'll get happy in just a minute. But the principle is that we've become so polished in our presentations across the board that we've learned how to substitute when the power wasn't there and the presence weren't there. I thank God for the three of you that are with me right now. We've learned how to substitute it when the power's not there We'll just push on through. Now, I was raised a little different than the average bear. I know that. And I've talked about this many a times. He's not here. He's on his way. He should be here in the next few minutes. Couldn't wait. He's driving from Michigan. But I was raised by a man that loved to be in church. Still does. He preached in Michigan this morning, headed home. I said, you going home when you get home? He said, no, I'm coming to church. So I'll be in town around 7 o'clock. So hopefully y'all shout me down between now and 7 o'clock. <laughs> but listen now. When we were on evangelistic field, we didn't do Sundays and Wednesdays. That's just not how it worked. We'd pull into town, have church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we'd be somewhere else, maybe Sunday through Friday, and then drive Saturday somewhere else, start church on Sunday. We had revival. Every day of the school year, my mom would teach us homeschool. We'd practice music. My dad would preach. Me and my mom would play. We did it every single night. And I've had nights that we were so tired and exhausted that me and my sister just fall out the floor in the church, fall asleep under the pews. I woke up one night. I told Brother Shepherd about this. When he was here this summer, we were preaching for his brother. And there was this sweet old boy in their church. I don't know his name. But I fell asleep under the front pew. Now, I'm talking about a real Pentecostal pew. It was bright orange. (laughs) Orange shag carpet and orange pews. I fell asleep under that orange pew. And I woke up to the strangest sensation that I'd ever felt in my life. It felt like... My nerves were firing up my arm. I was like, what in the world? You know that real stingy fall asleep feeling? It's like over and over and over. And I woke up, I thought, what in the world? And I'm going to tell you right now, old brother Leaping Larry, whatever his name was, he was up there on the front row jumping in his steel-toed boot shoes. And my elbow had slid just out in front of the altar. And homeboy was jumping on my elbow every time he'd go up and down. He got to feeling it. I want to say, brother, that's not a tissue box under your arm right now. That, under your leg. That's my arm that's under there. Man, he got to wearing it out. And we'd have church till 10 o'clock at night. 
go eat with the pastor, get in bed 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, get up, do school the next day, have church the next night. Now what I'm going to say, all of you that love me tonight, just keep on loving me, all right? If it upsets you, just buy me a double cheeseburger. We'll be all right with it. But I'm going to tell you something. Where we're not a praying people, we get soft. I hear guys talking about right now having less and less church because it's too, it's not convenient for the people. I've never been in revival when it was convenient. I've never seen a move of God that was convenient. I've never been in a powerful breakthrough that everybody just relaxed and enjoyed it. Lord God have mercy. I wish the choir had stayed up here so I could preach at them a little bit. I feel, I feel good when I get to preach to the choir. There is something that, and I'm not just talking about this church. I'm not just hammering this church. I'm, I'm talking about in the modern church, there's something that's missing when we'd rather have presentation than we would power. And I, I, I try hard. I've been a musician all my life. And, you know, now I'm just old washed up and play every now and then. But I've made enough transitions in music in my lifetime that I've seen, I've seen some things transpire. And I'm just going to say this as old-fashioned as it makes me sound. But I would by far rather have demonstration than I would be entertained. You can take the most talented musicians that there are, and if they're carnal and refuse to play, I'd rather them stay on the pew and give me a young person that's on fire in the prayer room, get up here and play music. I'm telling you, church, there's something on me that I can't get off of me. I want apostolic demonstration and revival. I, it's burning me up. It's all over me. It's on my mind throughout the day when I get up, when I go to bed at night. I want to be an apostolic revival church. Now this sounds so foreign to us because at least until 2020, I never had any friends get put in jail for preaching. We did this last year. I had breakfast with a young man the other day. Powerful evangelist from Louisiana. And he attended the church that we all prayed for so much during quarantine. That case has gone all the way through the Supreme Court of Louisiana. And now it's on its way to the Supreme Court of the United States. And the only thing that was done wrong, there are six charges against that pastor. And the six charges are having service when you were told not to. Y'all think, again, I'm not trying to say this sound ugly. But y'all think when that elder went into, into jail that day, they came, picked him up in the parking lot, took him to jail. Y'all think they went back to the church and worked on their praise dance routine? Anybody think they went back here and worked on their sign team and their stick ministry? 
Is there anything wrong with it? No. Suppose not. But I'm just telling you right now. Fingers for Jesus. Ain't going to get nobody out of jail. I'm going to tell y'all something. You just think that this is a passing phase. But I make you a promise before God tonight. There is a godless generation. The book of Acts says they're untoward. Save yourself from this untoward. They are a godless generation. And they're coming for the pulpit. And they're coming for your Bible. This isn't scare tactics. I'm not a fear monger. I'm telling you that the enemy has tried since the book of Acts to silence the church. And it's never worked. But it's because of the power of a praying church. And I'm saying all of this to draw a simple parallel. In the first century church, when their back got against the wall, they didn't go figure out how to get new lights and projectors. They hit a prayer room. And when our back gets against the wall in the 21st century, we've got to have something we can get a hold of. I know, I know. I heard it all. I heard it all. Dear. Pastor, you go ahead and have church, and I'll stand out there with a gun. Huh? That'd be great. That's just what we need. That's how I wanted to make the news right there. Oh, God, help us all. Jesus' name. Whew. You know what, folks? I'm preaching so simple to you tonight. I'm fixing to get to my message. I'm in the introduction, but I'm preaching to you right now. From the heart of a man that has sought God day after day and week after week. What are we going to do when what we just came through the last year becomes a memory? And we forget how desperate we were to be in the house of God. Longing to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling, oh God. I got pictures on my phone I was scrolling through the other day. And honestly, God, it feels like a bad dream. But it was just my family and our staff up here in the altar. This whole sanctuary was empty. We were up here praying, seeking God. I've never felt more empty and lonely in all my life. But you hear this preacher when I tell you, I thank the Lord for everything this church does to put your best foot forward. I want us to be professional from the platform to the parking lot. I thank God for that. I thank the Lord for our first impressions team. Brother Tyler leads and does such a wonderful job. But understand, Pastor, when I tell you right now that there's going to come a day that we're going to have to have more than a positive smile and a handshake in the parking lot. Oh, God, give us power from on high. Give us demonstration. Give us signs to confirm the word. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be the kind of church that when the blind man walks in, we don't try to figure out a way to preach to him in Braille. We just open up his eyes by the authority of the name of Jesus.
I know not all of you that are here tonight were there, but can I remind you that this church in a public open square downtown have seen God open blind eyes in front of the people of this city. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Everybody doing all right? Am I boring you slapped to death? Peter went into prison, but the church started praying without ceasing. And I know they didn't have them then, so you got to use a little bit of hermeneutical privilege. But I got a feeling if they would have had them, that the church that was praying for Peter wouldn't have been sitting at the house with their iPod in their ears. Woo, that went over like a lead balloon. Come on, somebody. We've traded sweet hour of prayer for just that one little touch, just enough to make us feel good. But I'm telling you, church, in the 21st century, if we're going to be a church that lasts, it's not going to be because we're beautiful. It's going to be because we're powerful. It's going to be because we've connected ourselves to a source. We have plugged ourselves into the Holy Ghost. We are sensitive to what the Lord is speaking and what the Lord is saying. You can take a lifeless church if that's what you want and you can throw it away for all I'm concerned. But give me a powerful praying church that'll plug into the Spirit of God and will pray big prayers and bold prayers that will unlock the heavenlies and release angels in the earth. Welcome to church, Dad. Glad you could make it. We'll talk in my office after church about being late. I've always wanted to say that. He said that to me. I'll never forget the day. I walked into the old sanctuary in a pair of jeans to go up on the platform and play the drums. People wonder why I wear a suit all the time. Like that one meeting made me do it. I thought it'd be cute to wear me these little jeans and go up there on the platform and play the drums. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to play the drums. He said, no, you're not. He said, get back here and sit down. You know what I said? I'll do what I want to do. You know how you know I didn't say that? Because I'm here preaching. <laughs> You know what I did? I said, yes, sir. Went and sat down. And I got sitting down thinking, God, I need the power of a praying church right now to deliver me from the hellfire that I'm going to feel on the back of my legs after a while. He didn't whip me, though. He's soft. Listen to what I'm telling you, church. We're going to see some things in the next couple years. We're going to see some things. That the people of darkness that hate the light are going to be pushing. Can the pastor be tough with you for just a minute? Can I do that? Some of us are going to have to thicken up our skin a little bit. We're going to have to get tough in the Holy Ghost. 
We have to square our shoulders up and say there's no body or no thing worth going to hell over and being lost. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to plug myself in. I'm going to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to have revival. If nobody else is running the aisles, I'll run the aisles. If nobody else is dancing, I'm going to dance. If nobody else is shouting, I'm going to shout. Why? Because we've got to have power in the end time church. I'm talking about the kind of perseverance that says if we show up here and there's chains on the church doors and the power's been shut off, I hope it don't ever happen. But if it does, I'm talking about the kind of church that when they can't get in here, that don't mean we don't have church. Can I tell you right now that a real church will find a way to have church somewhere, some way, somehow. We're going to touch Jesus. It may be in our houses, shutting our bedrooms and turning our living rooms into a prayer closet, turning our dining room into a place where we feast on the word of God. But somebody's got to get something in us that our number one priority is not getting home, stretching our feet out, turning the TV on and relaxing. We got to get plugged in. There are prisoners that are waiting to be set free. Now, I want you to notice the principle right here that you, 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 can't, you can't just let this go. We're talking about a man that got put in jail for preaching. He didn't murder anybody. He didn't slit anybody's throat. He wasn't out raping women in the night. He preached the gospel. But the scripture said that when they apprehended him, they put him in prison, verse 4, and delivered him to four quaternions. You know what that means? One quaternion is four guards. Okay? Walk with me right here. How much do they fear the power of this man? To put 16 prison guards on one man. God have mercy. How powerful of a prayer warrior do you have to be when it takes 16 men to walk you into a jailhouse? I'm telling you right now that Cafe Jesus Church isn't going to take a quaternion or four quaternions. It ain't going to happen up there in our little Air Jesus sandals, our ripped jeans, and our cute little shirt unbuttoned so everybody can see our four chest hairs while we preach and sip our coffee. I know somebody's offended right now. They're like, I got more than four hair. That's right, baby. You the man. Boom. You can think I'm saying this in a negative way. I don't know how else to say it. I'm just telling you what's on my soul. But God is going to deliver us 
from cereal eating Bible study, donut eating deliverance. Come on now. They tried to do that in this town and it hadn't lasted. And I'm going to tell you why it don't last. It's because whenever there's a power of a praying church, people get their back against the wall, they're not going to go to the church that has the best donuts. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm down with some good donuts. <laughs> I am. I'm down like Charlie Brown with that coffee, Sarah. I thank the Lord every time you pour me a cup of it. But listen to what I'm telling you tonight. The church praying without ceasing is what moved heaven and released heaven to a prison cell. It wasn't the beauty of their polished presentation. It wasn't standing up with a little prayer that they had written out. Afraid to say the name of Jesus. And I can promise you this. They didn't end the prayer with a woman. They ended it with a man. But God got to working. When his children got to praying. And I'm still convinced, no matter what anybody says, that the power of a praying church will still get a hold of the heart of God. And it'll still move the heart of God. And it'll unleash things in the heavenlies that you cannot do in your flesh. And you cannot do without the power of prayer. I have a feeling that when the saints went to praying, it wasn't a pretty sanctified little cute prayer. But I believe somebody got them a corner over there. And somebody got them a corner over there. And somebody grabbed hold of the legs of the chair. And somebody went to screaming, God, that man's locked up in prison. We need an answer. We need somebody to go get him. God, if you don't move, I don't know how it's going to happen. You're the only answer we've got. God, if you don't move right now, it's over over I just, I'm sorry I just don't feel like they cross their arms rock back and forth I don't believe they grabbed them a big old necklace of rosary beads went after it you can believe what you want to but I believe in Acts chapter 12 somebody got to speaking in other tongues in that little prayer meeting I believe somebody got to praying in tongues and got to releasing that angel in a language they didn't understand. And I believe that if it worked for that church, it'll work for this church. Sixteen prisoners. You know what that means? The devil fears the people of God more than you think he does took 16 six can you imagine that 16 guards 16 guards walking that man in 16 guards taking him into the prison but when the church started praying some things started shaking and the scripture said that once they got him in through two wards and first the iron gate then two wards he was in the inner prison and the keepers multiple which was probably the four quaternions side the gate right there at his prison cell and then now, I've seen a lot of prisoners. 
But I'm talking about the man was in the jail cell and had two prison guards and two sets of chains. I seen them drag guys to death row. But they didn't have 18 prison guards with them. What was it that was so powerful about Peter? That they said it's going to take more than what we do for the average man to restrain him. Can I tell you what the only answer is? They wanted to be sure that what they held down couldn't get out. And that same spirit is still fighting the church today. If he can keep us locked up and keep the word of God locked up and keep the word of God from getting out, he'll send everything he's got to send to keep it locked up. But I've got a message tonight, and I don't want you to be offended, but I'm going to preach to somebody beside y'all for about 30 seconds, and I'm going to tell the devil tonight, you gave it your best shot in 2020, and you tried to shut the church down and lock us up, but we're still here, and we're still having revival. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah. I'm going to show you another little principle here that you may or may not like. Do I have any worriers in the house? Anybody worrying? My mother didn't raise her hand, so I know she's not even listening to me right now. <laughs> Verse 6. Scripture said, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sitting between those two soldiers, sweating, tripping, Worried, fretting, turned inside out, sick to his stomach, sleeping. Here's what I want you to understand. The man wasn't just, now. I, I, I sound like I'm repeating myself like a broken record. This is for a reason. How do you sleep when you were just escorted by 18 men? Are you, are you understanding what I'm telling you right now? I'm talking about 18 to 1 at a minimum. 18 to 1 at a minimum. And he found peace. Who are you preaching to, Pastor? I'm preaching to the minority. That feels like the whole world is against us. And that the church is going to collapse. If the agendas of this world get pressing through, don't fool yourself and don't play with God like that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, we that have the Holy Ghost been baptized in Jesus' name ought to be able to lay our head down in the night and say, Lord, if I don't wake up to see another sunrise, I got peace enough tonight to sleep right here in... I feel something coming on me right now. I want to tell you something, church. It drives the devil nuts when you've got peace and you should be losing your mind. 
He don't even know what to do with people that when he's given the best shot, they're just laying down saying, all right, God's got this. I'm going to tell you something. When this church is praying for me, I can rest. I believe in the power of the prayers of this church. Now, this is, it's, right, it's right under your nose, but you've got to be looking for it to see it. So the scripture said that Peter was asleep between them. Okay? But the angel of the Lord showed up, and it doesn't affect the guards. How does that happen? Because they were asleep too. There was so much Holy Ghost being sent to that room by a praying church. That the Lord said, oh God, I'm about to lose it right here. The Lord said, not only am I going to give you peace, I'm going to shut the mouth of your enemy. Those soldiers walking him in there. Get in here, boy. Get in here. Throw him down. I'm going to chain you to me. It's big old Bubba. I'm going to chain you to me. You ain't getting out of here, son. You just watch God put you to sleep and shut your mouth. I dare every God-hating agenda that keeps coming against the church to keep running that mouth. Because when the church triumphant is still having revival, God's going to silence every voice and every power of darkness and every spirit of wickedness. I've come to tell you tonight, you are not in a weak church. You are not in a lazy church. You're in the church triumphant. You're in the church victorious. And we will have revival. Stay with me now. Verse 7. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined into the prison. There was so much peace in that prison that a great light from heaven didn't even wake them suckers up. Woo! I don't know if you're ready for this or not. Reached down and smote Peter. It wasn't what he was expecting. Because he probably felt a little bit of that earlier in the night. When the enemy got to provoking him, got to pushing on him, got to punching him in the ribs, got to moving and manipulating him just a little bit. But here's a principle I want you to get. When you can get yourself surrounded by the peace of God, the next surprise you get is not going to be the smiting from your enemies. But it's going to be the hand of God bringing sweet deliverance to the church. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying in the end time, there's a lot of people worried about what the enemy's going to do to us. But I'm really not afraid of what man can do to us. Because I know that sweet deliverance is on its way. I don't know how much tribulation we're going to have to go through. But I'm not worried about tribulation tonight. I want you to know that there will come a hand from heaven. And it's going to be the hand of sweet deliverance. That's going to raise us up out of the bondage of this world. In the midst of our enemies. And God is going to raise us up out of that pit. So the angel of the Lord smote him. Now listen to me. Somebody shout faith. Faith. I'm hurrying. I've done that preach four times tonight. I'm hurrying. 
Somebody shout faith. The angel of the Lord looked at Peter and said, Arise. Can I preach to you for a minute? You understand what the angel was requesting? It was impossible. The angel said, Get up. And Peter's response was not, I'm chained. Now, was he in chains? Is that in the Bible? Was it more than one chain? Is that in your Bible? Was there more than one soldier holding on to him? Is that in your Bible? Then how in the world is he going to stand up? Because sometimes heaven will require things of us that we can't do on our own. Smote him and said, arise up. Somebody shout quickly. Why? Because if you don't move quickly, sometimes you'll talk yourself out of it. And you'll start saying, Lord, I don't know how I can do this. I mean, you see where I'm at. And we start telling God about our predicament. And we start telling God how tough the bondage is. And we start telling God how tough the chains are. That's why the angel just woke him up and said, get up quickly. Get up out of there. And without thinking about it at all, Peter just jumped up. And the scripture said that he rose up quickly. And when he did, the chain. Does anybody know where the key came from? Listen to what I'm telling you. You don't have to believe all this, but it's in your Bible. I'm going to tell you this. The Lord had a key in the hand of that angel that would unlock the chains that man had put on him. So while you're worried about men locking up your hands, you just know this. There's not a lock that he don't have a key to. God have mercy. That when the prayers of a praying church touch heaven and angels start coming down where we are, there is nothing that can hold you down. Uh, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Angels said, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up in a hurry. Get up quickly. His chains fell off. Verse 8. Now this is crazy language right here. He's in a prison. In the innermost prison. And the angel said something to him. He said, gird thyself and bind thy sandals. Now, I'm thankful this changed. And we don't do this in North America. But Peter wasn't wearing no pair of breeches. He was in a robe, long tunic of some kind. And the angel said, gird your garments. Gird up thyself. He was saying, gird your garments. What does that mean? It was actually kind of a shame. I don't even know if y'all want me to preach this right now. It was a shame for a man to do this. Like when the prodigal's father came running toward him, that was a shame. In the Middle Eastern culture, you didn't run like that. You didn't, you didn't do that. But if you were going to run and it was an emergency, you would reach down and take the back of your garment and you would pull it up and tuck it in. And that's how breaches became a thing. The priest had to do it. It's called girding your loins. And what that means is you're about to move quickly. But understand me when I tell you that for Peter, this was not an easy thing to do. Because it would require him to be ashamed if that's what he was going to do to run out of the prison. 
And some of us are worried about our tie getting crooked. So Peter realized in that moment, I got one of two choices. I can either stay locked up or I can be ashamed. And there's some folk that understand that principle. And they don't mind being ashamed because when they're ready to get set free, Brother Mark Looper, they don't care who's watching or what they got to say about it. They'd rather dance and be free. They'd rather be David and say, you think I'm crazy right now. I'll be more vile than this. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If you want to be set free, all your pride's got to go out the window. That angel said, gird yourself up, boy. He was saying, you're not going to like this, Peter. But if you want to get out, you got to gird yourself up and get ready. Because you're not walking out of this thing. You're going to run out of this thing. I'm about done. I'm about done. I'll quit right now if you want me to. Let me just say this so you'll feel better. I'm coming to a close. I'm hurrying. He said, gird thyself. Put on your shoes. This is symbolic of something you need to know. You're not staying here any longer. Girding his loins and putting on his sandals, man. There's a change that's coming to you. There is a change that's coming quickly. And the moment, the moment, the moment, the moment that Peter put his shoes on and he started walking towards his deliverance, the angel said, cast off your garment. What was that? That was the outside garment that identified him as a prisoner. He said, take that prison garment off and get that thing off of you. What was he saying? He said, Peter, you're not a prisoner anymore. The power of a praying church has just set you free. Get your shoes on, son. God is bringing you out. He said, come on out and follow me. So he went out and he followed him. Now this is the part that kills me in this story. Some of you are rejoicing at the power of the angel coming down, touching him, all this stuff going on. But Do you realize that till this point in the story? He was in such a deep sleep that he thought this was a dream. He didn't even know this was an angel he was following. He disobeyed. Got up. Because the very next verse said, He went out and followed him and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel. But he thought he was having a dream. (laughs) I love it. Because the thing that Peter would have dreamed in his mind. Oh, y'all ain't even ready for this. The thing that he would have dreamed in his mind was the thing that God was bringing to pass. Peter's dream was that I'm not a prisoner anymore. And God has sent help to set me free. But in that moment he realized this is not a dream because my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think God can do more than I've ever dreamed that he could do. I feel like telling somebody that's been stuck in a bad way for a while, you just go ahead and dream it. If you can believe it, then God can do it. I'm 
I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. It's a process. It passed through the first, verse 10, the first, and the second ward, the first, and the second ward. What's that? It's another guard post. More men that had the power to reverse the progress that he had made. And not just one bishop, but two. God have mercy. God paraded that man. Past the ones that held him in the prison. Past the doors of the keepers of the prison doors. Past the two wards where there were prison guards standing there that could have reversed and turned around. But when God moves, there is no power, even on your way out, that is strong enough to send you back to where God just brought you from. God, I'm trying to shut her down, and I'm wore out. Hear me now. It went through the first and the second ward, and then came the last obstacle of deliverance. I love it. They came to the iron gate, which leads to the city. And when the scripture said that he did it of his own accord, it means that the men that had the keys to open the door weren't there to open the door. So the Lord had to unlock the door, but it also alludes to a fact that somebody needs to get down deep in your soul tonight. And if I could, I'd preach a pain off the walls on this. But Peter had made up in his mind that God did not bring me this far to leave me at this iron gate. My God, my God, my God. And it said of his own accord. What does that mean? That means he was willing to help himself. That he reached up and grabbed hold of what God had unlocked. And he pushed the gate open. And he walked through it. You're going to come to a place in your deliverance that you have to want to be free as badly as God wants you to be free. Oh, I feel the preacher on me right now. Peter, if you want out of this thing, son, you're going to have to push on that door. You're going to have to push until it opens. Don't you make that angel open the door. Don't you make God open that door. You walk up on your own accord and open the door. Huh. And when he was willing, of his own accord, he stepped into a whole new dimension. It was in that moment that the scripture said he stepped into the street and the angel of the Lord departed from him. In closing tonight, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and I'm going to reach for somebody right here. And I want to tell you something about deliverance that's very seldom preached and I really am coming to a close. I'm finished. If music wants to come. I want to tell you something about the power of deliverance. 
Everybody always talks about the delivering power of the Lord that you can come to this altar right now and be delivered. But I want to show you a principle. You can't afford to miss this in the scripture. The angel of the Lord, or we could say in this scripture, the hand of God, the sweet deliverance of God, brought him through the two wards, through the iron gate, and then brought him to the street. This represents his mobility, his transportation to move away from the place that he had been. It was the pathway of deliverance. But Bishop, when he got to this place, the Bible said that the angel of the Lord departed. Because deliverance happened from the prison. But determination had to happen outside of the prison. God can deliver people at an altar of repentance. But when you walk out the doors of this church, that angel that brought you deliverance to this altar is going to turn your hand loose. And you're going to have to decide on Monday morning that you want deliverance as bad as you wanted it on Sunday night. And you're going to have to decide on Tuesday morning that you still want to be delivered as badly as you did on Sunday night. When the angel turns your hand loose, your deliverance is no longer on God. It's on you. And if we're not careful, we're going to handicap people. And we're going to make them believe that God will take away every desire they've got that's unlike Him when their deliverance comes. But the angel of the Lord showed Peter that if you want to get away from this prison, I brought you out. But it's going to be because you walk away. Am I making any sense to anybody? I feel like there's somebody in this house tonight that you know the hand of God has been on you and brought you deliverance. But I felt this in the Holy Ghost tonight. And I'm going to say this prophetically. There's about to be a spiritual maturing that transpires in this altar call tonight. And somebody that has been holding on to that angel because you're afraid to walk on your own. You know that God can deliver you. But you've had a hard time believing in yourself. God is about to set you free from the fear of yourself tonight. I'm prophesying to somebody in the Holy Ghost. And when that angel turns you loose, you're going to walk with a determination like you've never had in your life. God brought me deliverance at the altar. But when I walk out of this church tonight, I've had my deliverance. But now I've got my determination that I'm going to walk with Jesus. And I'm not just going to walk out of here and come back to the same prison tomorrow night and the same prison the next week. Listen, don't you make that angel come back to that same prison cell and take you out of the same place that God brought you out of. If you're here tonight and you're trying to figure out how in the world this is going to happen, let me just tell you. There's enough faith in this place tonight. God can work the miracle of getting you out of that prison that you've been living in. But we've already preached faith. And what I want to release on this church right now, on somebody in this place right now, I want to release on you the boldness to walk away from the thing that held you captive 
just a few minutes ago. Man, I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. I need y'all to help me right now. I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. If you're in this place and you've been having a difficult time finding freedom and you've been struggling trying to find out how you're going to do this next and what's going to happen next, you know what? Five minutes ago, we could have just shouted this thing down. I could have preached you happy. But I'm going to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel that old angel of the Lord walking with me right now. Somebody's had trouble breaking free completely. Finding that liberty in the Holy Ghost. God wants to give it to you tonight. And the way he's going to do it is by giving you the boldness to walk on out. Come on. Obey the Holy Ghost right now. And when you come up here, it's going to fall on you. And you're going to feel power like you've never felt. You're going to feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost come on you. And God's about to shake you. God's about to rock you. God is about to set you free tonight. Yay! <laughs> this is not emotionalism tonight. I didn't just come here for you to shout this thing down. God sent me with a word for somebody tonight. His spirit has brought you out. Now he's going to give you boldness to walk on your own. <laughs> Come on. Don't you let your flesh weary you out right now. Push through right now in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> You're not a prisoner anymore. You got to walk on your own. Your enemy led you in. The power of God led you out. But you're not a prisoner anymore. You got to walk on your own. Kilana Bahayolo Bosondo de Bahaya. 